There's no food. How long can people survive with no food? Every day is a massacre. Assassination of Rifat al-Arir, most prolific Palestinian poet, thinker of our age. He was killed in a targeted assassination on his sister's house. The Israeli intelligence called him the day before and they said, we are going to kill you. He left his family and tried to hide in his sister's home. The missile hit his sister's house, killing him, his sister, and all four of her children. The Israeli occupation forces target Unrwa school in Jabalia with white phosphorus. A baby was found without his head under the rubble. Over 60 days of this. Rapid deterioration of a situation which was already unlivable. Open the fucking Oxford Dictionary and read the definition of terrorism. Unlawful violence directed against a civilian population for the purpose of a political objective. Every country in the world should cut all ties with Israel, should expel the ambassadors. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gazan Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if the phrase from the river to the sea makes you uncomfortable, but video footage of men being stripped naked, blindfolded, and loaded onto vans doesn't. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the palestinepod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes. You also get an additional podcast per week. It's called the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. I just want to read to you today. Like, this is just today. Jabalia refugee camp under heavy attack by the Israeli occupation forces. Israeli occupation forces shot dead a Palestinian in Al Farah refugee camp in Tubas. Then, heavy Israeli bombardment in Khan Yunis. It's no longer one Palestinian that was killed in Al Farah refugee camp, it's now two Palestinians that were killed. Jabalia refugee camp remains under heavy attack. Okay, the Ministry of Health now is reporting that four Palestinians were killed during the Israeli occupation raid on the Al Farah refugee camp. Now it's five Palestinians. And with everyone, there's a new video. Like, th this is evolving in real time. Then there's a video of injuries arriving to Al Nasser Hospital in the south after a bombing of a family house. Now the number of martyrs in the Al Farah refugee camp has risen to six. Then the funeral took place and there's videos of the funeral. Then we see new images and videos of artillery shelling in the Jabali refugee camp. There is, by the way, not one single day that they have not bombed the Jabali refugee camp. Like it only made front page news. I think one time, and that was the day that they dropped the six one-ton bombs, killing upwards of over a thousand people. But every day before that, and every day since that, they've been bombing it anyway. You were also locked out of your account right before they bombed it then, and you are locked out of your account again now. Still locked, yep, locked out of my account, trying to get back in. They um, damaged the El... Omari Mosque in Gaza, which is one of the oldest mosques in Gaza. 
Um, then a, a lot of Palestinians are sharing videos having to do with the, the murder, the assassination of Rifat al-Arir, who was the most prolific Palestinian poet, thinker, academic writer of our age. He was killed in a targeted assassination on his sister's house. The Israeli intelligence called him the day before and they said, we are going to kill you. That's what the reports are saying. We are going to kill you. He left his family and tried to hide in his sister's home. And then the, the, the missile hit his sister's house, killing him, his sister, and all four of her children. Now I'm watching a video of a shelter that's been set on fire as a result of occupation artillery shelling in Gaza. I'm watching a video of a child searching for his father after the bombing of his home. I'm watching a video of a hospital in Khan Yunus, the bunch of children injured, all of them are on the floor, tons of blood everywhere. There's no hospital beds there. I mean, it's just, it's a ma every day is a massacre. Every hour is a massacre. And I'm watching a video of the Israeli occupation forces spray skunk water at Palestinians in Wadi al-Jews in the occupied city of Jerusalem. Then we go back to Deir al-Balah, where we see the Israeli occupation has destroyed another mosque. So that's two mosques today. Now we're going back to the funeral of the six Palestinians in the Al-Farah refugee camp in the northern part of the occupied West Bank. Now we have an eyewitness account of an individual who saw the occupation forces executing Palestinian men in front of their families at one of the schools in the northern part of Gaza. And by the way, now we also have the Israeli occupation forces targeting an UNRWA school in Jabalia with white phosphorus. And I see the smoke bombs and the white phosphorus bombs raining on an UNRWA school. This is just today. Like, I'm, uh, I'm not even done yet. Now I'm watching a dog writhing in pain after Israeli shelling in southern Lebanon. Really horrific video, really horrific video. Now we're back in Khan Yunis watching injuries arrive to the hospital. A baby was found without his head under the rubble of a destroyed home in Gaza. A mother is hugging her son after finding him in the hospital in the south. They both survived Israeli airstrike on their home and they're both covered in soot and dust. I'm watching them hug. Then I watched a really, really torturous clip of a girl who looks to be about six or seven years old. Now in Al Nasser Hospital uh, in the southern part of Gaza, and she was pulled from the rubble of her home. Her identity is not known, despite the fact that she is not like a baby, because she's actually in a state of catatonic shock. So she has not spoken or expressed anything ever since she was pulled from the rubble of her homes. Her family's all dead, and she's just alive, but not speaking. So we don't know what her name is. We don't know who her family is. And we're watching her in her hospital bed, recovering from her horrific injuries. And the director of the children's Department of, of Al Nasser Hospital in the South is talking about how they desperately need clothes, milk, and diapers, but none of it is available because of the Israeli siege. Still not done yet. There's still heavy Israeli bombardment targeting Khan Yunus in late afternoon seeing more children being injured, another toddler arriving to the hospital, watching a photo, a video of a Palestinian man searching for his family under the rubble, and he keeps repeating, leave me here, leave me here, I'm gonna look for my family. Dozens of photos of people being pulled from the rubble, uh, alive and bloody, a father carrying the body of his son who looks to be about four or five years old, ready to bury him, another toddler rescued from the rubble of her home. She arrived to Al Nasser Hospital in the south, her face is totally bloody. And the last video is Rahaf, who's 10 years old, talking about her experience of displacement from Gaza City to the south. That's just December 8th. 
over 60 days of this. I don't even know, are we on day 64, day 65? I've lost track, but that's just today. And remember, everything we see is only 1% of what actually exists. The scope, the magnitude of human suffering cannot be accurately represented in words. There is no combination of words that can accurately convey to anybody what it's like to be a Palestinian in Gaza in this moment. There is no combination of words because what you're talking about is such a rapid deterioration of a situation which was already unlivable, but it was rapidly put into this situation. The degeneration of life in Gaza in a matter of two months where people went from not having everything they need, being trapped, not being able to leave, not being able to get adequate medical care, but still surviving, but still being refugees for many generations and still living in poor conditions and still only having water four hours a day because Israel cuts it off the rest of the time and still only having electricity four hours a day. But it doesn't matter because they have backup generators and water tanks and they've learned to live around it to going to a situation where none of that is, 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 is available anymore. And now there's no showers at all. You're showering with a water bottle if you have water and it's dirty water and there's no food at all. And like I watched Muhammad Al-Hilo share a packet of biscuits with like four other journalists and like that was their lunch. There's no food. Like there's no food. Like how long can people survive with no food? It's getting to the point where it's, at any moment, people can die just from the conditions, not even the airstrikes, just the conditions. People's hearts can stop and they can die just from the conditions. Like, how long is my, my brother-in-law sister, how long is she going to survive without food and water, seven months pregnant, sleeping outside on the ground in Rafa? How long? Like, I don't know. How long is her baby going to survive? Is her baby going to survive? These are all questions. I was Googling yesterday, like, how long can you survive off of bread and, and alone? It's wondering, like, because most people, if they do find something, it is bread. And they're not eating it with anything. They're just eating bread. So I'm like, how long can the human body survive off of bread? Questions that you have to ask during a genocide. And when there's an intentional famine of your people, you know, and I, I'm sure you saw that photo of hundreds of Palestinian men waiting for flour. Because it's it's all intentional. They're intentionally starving them. And so they're intentionally making them wait for hours for a trickle of flour. It's all intentional. It's by design. And the U.S. says they've given Israel until January to finish whatever they want to do. But then I'm also reading reports that, no, 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 we don't want to put a limit on it. So what are we doing here? And the U.N., Antonio Guterres called the Article 99 emergency session of the Security Council, and they're right now voting on what needs to take place, but the U.S. has already indicated that they're going to veto whatever resolution comes forward. And let's say the U.S. didn't even veto it. Israel's just going to ignore it anyway. Let's say they just didn't, they, they just didn't vote for or against. They just didn't get in the way. Israel's just going to say, fuck you, like they've done every single time the U.N. has issued a resolution, including during this genocide. The measures that are being taken are so insufficient to match the need on the ground that it's an embarrassment to the entire 
international system. We have set up thinking that we have law and order and rules in place to prevent mass atrocities. We don't actually, we really don't because nothing is preventing them from carrying out this genocide, this ethnic cleansing, nothing, nobody. The US keeps funneling money, keeps funneling arms. What we should be doing right now is every country in the world should be sanctioning Israel. Every country in the world should cut all ties with Israel, should expel the ambassadors from their countries, should end all ties. They should be getting Interpol involved. They literally, they should be banning Israeli visas. They should be taking every single tangible measure that can be taken. They should be freezing Israeli assets. They should be isolating Israel. They should be ensuring that Israel has no more money and no more weapons to carry out this massacre, to carry out this genocide. There are no other options. So get, getting together and having a meeting and trying to put words on paper that Israel is going to ignore anyway is not the response that we need right now. It is so insufficient. It is so insufficient. It's, it's, it's embarrassingly insufficient to meet the need, need to respond to the torture of 2.3 million people, 1 million of whom are children for the last 60 plus days, who every second of every day have been tortured. I know this was supposed to be Patreon. I'm sorry. Gaza is a concentration camp and the Israeli occupation is committing a holocaust. How are feminists sleeping right now? How are they not screaming at the top of their lungs about Palestinian women giving birth with no anesthesia, right? Like we're living in medieval times right now just because the Israelis want to withhold medicine from Gaza, right? Like they're breastfeeding newborns if the newborn babies make it and they themselves have not had a proper meal in months. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine if that happened in Ukraine, right? Fucking Wolf Blitzer wouldn't allow it. I was reading about poet June Jordan and obviously Dr. Angela Davis, who said that Palestine is the moral litmus test of our era. So I just don't understand why people want to argue with Dr. Angela Davis about civil rights. Like, why are people so insistent about arguing with Nelson Mandela about apartheid? Judaism is rooted in justice, the phrase tikkun olam, to heal the world. I feel like anybody who's paying attention to what's going on, if you're a person of conscience, it doesn't matter what religion you practice. If you, even if you don't practice religion, if you just understand morality, the basics of what are wrong and right, then you know that withholding food and water from the literal descendants of Jesus Christ at a time when the rest of the world is celebrating his birth is probably not a great look. That I wasn't ready for the Palestine pod? No, <laughs> I know you're ready. You can't call yourself a climate activist right now if you don't know about the burning of olive trees, right? Trees that have been there for thousands of years that are a symbol of Palestinian life and connection to the land. The trees themselves pose such a threat to the weak Zionist narrative that Zionists will burn them down because all they know is death and destruction. You know what? It's not great for the environment. Dropping the equivalent of two nuclear bombs on political prisoners and refugees. And that's actually an old statistic because... As I'm recording this right now, the bombs are raining down. 
So unfortunately, it's an outdated figure. They keep dropping bombs quicker than we can catalog it. Does that not worry anyone? Is that not of concern to anyone? You can't call yourself a progressive if you vote to fund the illegal occupation of Palestine or vote to approve the funding of the Iron Dome. And that goes for the squad who just voted to equate criticism of settler colonial apartheid with anti-Semitism. The world is finally paying attention to the genocide happening right now in Gaza as they experience their own Nekba. But people need to realize that there's been a genocide happening every day for the last 75 years. So many people like to wax poetic about what they would have done in the civil rights movement or how they would have been against apartheid in South Africa. These same people would have slapped the cuffs on Mandela himself. And then they'd lie about it later down the line. They'd say, uh, oh, I was on the right side of history the whole time. It was white folks barking at black civil rights activists at the dining counters would have you believe that they were just uh, yelling out chef specials. People want to talk a big game about what they would have done during enslaved rebellions or if they would have hid Jews during World War II. In these scenarios, everyone believes that they're the hero, right? Or at least that they're on the right side. But just take a quick look around. What are you doing right now? We don't need to play make-believe. We don't need to imagine what if it's happening and a lot of people are failing the test. This is a literal holocaust in the sense of the word. And I mean that so fervently. I could not stand on that statement more. Okay, we are getting images, videos, testimonies, all in real time that we only got from the death camps in World War II after the fact, long after the fact. We're getting it in real time. It's being uploaded by the people who are being genocided in real time. There's never been a more documented Holocaust than the Palestinian Holocaust that's happening right now. For comparison, at Auschwitz, the Nazis killed roughly 750 people per day. In Gaza, there have been days where it was 1,000, 1,500. And truly, we don't know because they're still pulling people out of the rubble. But I'm sure the Gazan Health Ministry will update it with accurate numbers once they do know, because they always provide accurate numbers, as was backed up by the UN when Joe Biden woke up out of a coma to deny genocide. And you made the point. You're like, why are Palestinians a people who are being genocided so often, being murdered so often, right? That the UN has to come to your defense and say, no, 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 no. They provide accurate numbers. They're always accurate. Unlike the Zionist entity, which provided 1,400 as their casualty initially of civilians, right? Then they reduced it to 1,200. And then with just like a tiny little bit of review, it was revealed that it was actually military. 
Yeah, and actually, I just want to add that today I read that the um, death toll in Israel was adjusted again, and now it stands at 1147. Okay, so that's still way lower than 1200, which is the the old one, the old yeah, reduced. Yeah, this is this tally. was reported. This was reported by Al Jazeera today, so it's been. So reduced. it's interesting that their death toll keeps going down, but the Palestinian death toll keeps going up. Isn't that interesting? Every day is worse than the day before. Anybody who is not willing to call this a genocide, not willing to call this the Holocaust, is a gelatinous invertebrate. Okay, I do not understand how you stand up every single day. You're spineless. If you disagree that this is a genocide, you are at odds with over 800 genocide scholars who have confirmed that it's a genocide now. I have family who were killed by the Nazis in the Holocaust. It would be a disservice to their memory to not try my hardest to prevent the same thing from happening right now to the Palestinian people. How can people who claim to respect Judaism meet in this time, celebrate Hanukkah, a holiday that commemorates a ragtag group of underfunded individuals coming up against a well-funded opponent? How could you possibly live in such cognitive dissonance? How could you possibly celebrate Hanukkah without understanding there's a Holocaust happening right now? You know, I, I get a lot of messages, obviously, from Zionists, and um, I, you know, I, I block and delete. But it, the theme of all the messages is that they're very happy to see Palestinian families killed. They're very happy. They're extremely happy. They're rejoicing. They say it's our fault. They say that we're terrorists. They're looking at children. And they have not an, an ounce of humanity in them to be able to say that these are families, these are people, and that we, this is not the way to deal with this situation. And the only way out of this situation is to end the oppression. The only way out of this situation is freedom. There is no other way out of this situation. Any other way that does not end in freedom is going to maintain the pressure cooker, is going to maintain the pressure cooker that is occupied Palestine as a status quo. That's good for nobody. It's so obvious that they're killing us because the evidence is all there, the mountains of evidence, the bodies, the videos, the news that our loved ones have been killed. I mean, just looking at the videos of the Palestinian men from the northern part of Gaza, we actually already started to identify them. One of the individuals was the brother of an UNRWA worker in the United States, and he was posting, that's my brother. He's a shopkeeper. He has seizures. He has a daughter. And other individuals started to identify their own family members from those videos. Like, did they think that that we wouldn't know who they were? They posted, the Israeli occupation posted that video being like, look, look at these Hamas fighters that have surrendered in the southern part of Gaza. And literally the video is from the northern part of Gaza because we can see the businesses in the background and we know that it's the northern part of Gaza. And literally they're all civilians who were abducted from a school where families were sheltering 
and taken by the occupation army and at least several of them were executed until now we don't know how many were executed and we've started to identify them there are family members among those palestinians abducted in the north of gaza was journalist dia al kalut he could not move down south because he has an elderly mother and a child with disability of course the occupation will tell you that they are all terrorists this comes from a tweet from Dima Khatib retweeted by Malcolm Harris yeah he's another one of the individuals that was identified but i mean i'm i mean we're seeing it all over the community uh, hani madhoun who lives in washington dc the owner worker who i told you his brother was identified as being one of the individuals in the video he also identified that his father was there as well so they're just taking families they're just picking up family members you know some youth some older it doesn't matter any age will what will do they just it's it's the whole purpose of this you know these images look a lot like abu gharib the whole purpose of this is to humiliate is to is to punish the entire society as a whole is to break our spirit the whole purpose of this is the torture like that is the point the point is the brutality um, you know i don't know did we talk about the 972 um investigation talk about it okay so it's really important for people to understand that Israel is intentionally, intentionally bombing our families' houses. It's intentional. They are looking for houses of civilians and they are pointing the airstrikes in that direction and they are intentionally bombing our family houses. We know this for a fact, obviously because we're living it and we've been saying it this entire time, but if that wasn't enough, then we also know this because the Israeli intelligence itself has admitted this in an investigation that was published by 972 magazine that relied on interviews with multiple former and current Israeli intelligence officials, as well as in individuals from the military who revealed that Israel right now is carrying out this practice of bombing and airstriking what they call quote unquote power targets. And power targets are anything that is civilian in nature. So any civilian infrastructure could be a house, could be an entire high rise, could be a university, could be a hospital, whatever it may be. Anything that is civilian in nature falls under the category of power targets. And this is their intentional policy to bomb these alleged targets. Why? Because they say that they are trying to create as much destruction, as much pain as possible in order to put pressure on the civil society, the Palestinian families to put pressure on Hamas. So let's back up a second and everybody open the fucking Oxford Dictionary and read the definition of terrorism. Unlawful violence directed against a civilian population for the purpose of a political objective. That's exactly what they're doing here. They're engaging in unlawful violence, admittedly, against the civilian population intentionally for a political objective, which is to, quote unquote, put pressure on Hamas. This is their policy. This is their military policy in this genocide. That's why so many Palestinian families have been killed. We are not collateral damage. We are the targets. We are the targets.
Why do you yeah. think nine out of ten of the people, the people who have been killed, are civilians? What? Why is that? They are either the most incompetent army in the world, or they are intentionally killing civilians. And they have told us that they're intentionally killing civilians. And yet the U.S. lives in this la-la land, this totally fictional reality that they have created. Because every time a U.S. State Department spokesperson is questioned on this matter, like Matthew Miller was just a few days ago, he says, I haven't seen any evidence that Israel is intentionally targeting civilians, even though this 972 magazine investigation had come out a few days prior. So what are you saying? That I have more information about Israel's military doctrine than you do at the State Department? This was a public investigation, and it relied on firsthand sources of the people who are pressing the buttons. I don't understand how much longer we can be lied to like this. We as a People have to understand, to be Palestinian today in this age is to be constantly gaslit about what is happening to you. We have been telling the world ever since this started that they are intentionally targeting our family houses. You saw the bunker buster be dropped in the middle of a family home and then the screams emanate from the home. And we all saw the analysis by several former soldiers explaining why that type of a weapon has never even been used on a civilian neighborhood. It's supposed to be used on underground bunkers. And that even if it's its own military, if, if you're even looking at it just from a military perspective, it's being grossly misused in this context because it's being used on neighborhoods, on, on people's houses. The whole point is to destroy all of Gaza. That is the point. They've told us that's the point. They've said we're, we're carrying out a Nakba. They've said they want to make Gaza unlivable. They've said they want to turn Gaza into a city of tents. They have said that. And they are doing that. But the U.S. every single time deny the reality on the ground, the Palestinian lived experience, the testimonies, the evidence, the videos, the photos, as well as the Israeli admission and action can reject all of that and instead offer a different reality, one where they say Israel is doing its best to avoid civilian casualties, but we're going to push it to, to do a little bit better because we do think that this is the, you know the numbers of civilians killed is too much. So we're going to just you know put a little pressure on them to do a little bit better, kill a little bit less. It is getting kind of you know yucky to be out here defending this. So just kill a little less to keep you know tone it down a little bit. Yeah, they are calling it power targets, but that's actually reduced from the original title of white power targets. Literally, while we're recording this, the U.S. just exercised their veto power on another resolution for a ceasefire. So we're about to near 10,000 Palestinian babies and children who have been killed. This is a stain on humanity. And honestly, if the entire world civilization now is doomed to extinction, I wouldn't even be worried about it because we deserve this. We deserve this. We don't deserve this life. We don't deserve this earth for all the destruction, the brutality, and, and the disrespect for human life that is that we are seeing in this moment. We deserve nothing less than to be completely extinct as a human species because 
what else does it, what, what else will it take? What else will it take? If you have no respect for children's lives, you have no respect for babies, you have no respect for mothers, you have no respect for families, you have no respect for human dignity, you can't pretend to care about that in a vacuum only if it concerns you, but not others. You either care or you don't care. Principles and values are not to be applied in portion. They are either universal or they are not. And I saw an image today of Secretary Blinken sitting in a very fancy meeting room with God knows which diplomats talking about celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And just, you know, I just want to come out and say that, you know, we are really supportive of people and the world. This is what he wrote. I joined human rights leaders for the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in recognition of their courageous work. We know that when more people in more places have their rights respected, the world is a more peaceful, more secure, and more prosperous place. Tweeted with no irony, completely unaware during the genocide of children in Gaza, which is being funded and armed by the United States. This is the peak of Western hypocrisy and double standards. This is the peak of the barbarity of the United States. I heard that Lincoln dug up Kissinger's body to give him another smooch. You know what it feels like to read messages like that while they are murdering our children from the inside out. And then they tell you, no, 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 we can't vote for a ceasefire. No, it has to keep happening. But we love the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We love it. We love respecting people's rights. We love the Declaration of Universal Human Rights and Bunker Buster Bombs. I cannot express the frustration of being on the receiving end of these lies, of this hypocrisy? What is it going to take for us to convince you that we are human and that we are deserving of the same human rights that you speak of? What is it going to take to convince you that you would never accept this for yourself, so why do you expect us to? What is it going to take to convince you that we love our children as much as you love your children, maybe more? Because we have respect for human life and human dignity. What is it going to take? What is it going to take to convince you that we just want to live in freedom? What have we done? What have we done to deserve this? We found ourselves as people on this land because our ancestors are all from this land. That's how we ended up here. Let us remind you that Palestinians accepted Jewish refugees from the Holocaust into their homes. And then what happened? What happened is Zionist militias came through, murdered people, stole houses. Ach, Achiduhe mefrusha. 
Yes. The tea, they stole everything. They stole everything. The tea was still hot. And then those same families who were welcomed occupied those houses. That story, I think about it pretty much every day. I think about being scared, right? Coming from a place where people were murdered, right? And then people are kind to you. People are welcoming. As Palestinians are, Palestinians are some of the most, Arab people in general, some of the most hospitable people on the planet. Offering tea, offering food, even if it's sparse for them. Like, and then being somebody who could see people then being driven out of their homes, people being murdered right in front of you. And instead of protesting, leaving, fighting the people who are murdering those who housed you after the Holocaust, you instead just move into those houses. I, it's, a, it, I, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around. It's such um, an absurd story. And yeah. I think about it all the time because there's this hysteria from the right wing in the United States about accepting refugees that they're going to take over when like refugees typically don't take over, right? Refugees typically just want a safe place to live and then they become citizens and they integrate into the country and like that's what it is. But in Palestine, they did take over. They literally took over. In Palestine, refugees took over. It literally, the stuff that like, dictators in the United States and abroad say about the populations, right? Like they're not sending their best. They're sending rapists. They're sending murderers. Everything Donald Trump said about Mexicans is true about Zionists. Okay. Liars. We have the sources to prove uh, prove the rapists and the murderers. I mean, that's not even controversial. Like, even in their and, newspapers, they're like, why is everyone raping so much? Yeah. We yes. have a rape problem here. We have a rape. Yes, they said they have a rape problem. <laughs> Nine out of 10 rape uh, allegations in the Israeli occupation military made by women in the military are completely dropped without investigation. For centuries, Jewish people opposed Zionism. Because Zionism is a Christian ideology that wants to bring about the end of times, right? When you were talking about if we deserve extinction, I was like, what am I at an evangelical sermon right now? Okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, you know, those people, they want to bring about the Armageddon. And that requires that Jews move to Jerusalem which for the longest time, and then get raptured, two thirds of us will die, the rest will convert into Christianity. The old song and dance, everybody knows it. For the longest time, Christians were trying to pitch that to Jewish communities all over. And won't you know, a lot of Jews were like, that sounds like kind of a bad deal. Okay, and Jews know a good deal when we see one. <laughs> and, right. Okay, and so it's like, yeah, for the longest, nobody was like, uh, I'm good on that plan. Then after the Holocaust, some Jews were like, okay, if you say so, 
you know? Right. <laughs> and they moved to Palestine, probably not understanding. I, I certainly don't think the North African Jews and Arab Persian Jews, etc. I don't believe that they knew that they would be used as a pawn in a colonial project, but that is what has happened. And it has been very upsetting to see because they actually have far more in common with Palestinians than they do with the Eastern European Ashkenazi settlers who are higher up in the government and control everything. And the racial and, order. And the racial hierarchy and uh, don't view the Jews of color as people. Yeah. That's why you That's why you have instances like Solomon Tekka. That's why you have instances like the Ethiopian women who were forcibly sterilized. That's why... You know, there was one instance where Netanyahu said that he was going to deport every single African migrant, I believe, were his words. So, you know, he's got a lot on his plate right now. Big genocide and also deporting all the African migrants. So hard to juggle things when you are the head of the settler apartheid state. I just want to say that um, given that the U.S. now has cast the single veto for the permanent ceasefire resolution that was voted at the UN Security Council on December 8th, that the response in the US should be nothing less than stopping everything right now. All of That's it actually... has to be stopped. All of it. Everything has to be shut down. Every business, every highway, every bridge, every congressperson's office, every drone manufacturer, every arms supplier, every port, every airport, every public space needs to be turned into a place of protest. The U.S. is the single reason why this genocide of Palestinian families is continuing. Nothing has made that more clear than this vote at the UN Security Council, which was prompted by the Secretary General activating his Article 99 powers, which is an extremely rare move taken in situations where the Secretary General believes that there is a threat to world peace and a breakdown in public order and a humanitarian catastrophe of epic irreversible proportions and still the United States voted to reject the ceasefire resolution. And so right now, the only reason why our families continue to be massacred is the United States government. And so right now, every single American is responsible for our massacre. And if you don't act, you will be complicit in our genocide. So there's no more business as usual anymore. We cannot deny the U.S.'s role in this. Israel would not be able to do anything without U.S. arms, financing, and diplomatic protection. And we have seen that very clearly now. They are relying on a impending resupply. But if we make sure that it doesn't come, we can provide the bare minimum of relief to the Palestinian people. It is the least that we can do to disrupt the flow of weapons before it makes it to Palestine. Once it makes it to Palestine, there's not a ton that we can do about it, folks. They're going to drop the bombs. They've told us. They're letting us know they're going to kill as many people as possible. It's not about precision. Meanwhile, dead Joe Biden comes out to the fucking table and he's like, you guys got to be a little more precise. 
okay, well, they're not going to be, right? What happens is they're going to kill as many people as possible. We've seen it. We've documented it. So what we need to do is stop the weapons from getting there. The weapons should not be getting there. Do whatever you can to stop the weapons from getting there. I just want to be really clear about this. Ever since October 7th, the U.S. has provided Israel with 10,000 tons of military equipment in 200 cargo planes. There is no way for Israel to do this without American weapons. This is, by the way, according to the Israeli quote-unquote defense ministry, which bragged about the amount of weapons that they've received from the United States earlier this week. And by the way, these weapons include armored vehicles, armaments, personal protective equipment, medical supplies, ammunition, and more, including also as well actual fighter planes. So people need to understand America is killing Palestinian families. There's no other way. Nobody else is giving it weapons the same way. Nobody else is protecting it diplomatically the same way. Everybody else voted for the ceasefire. Folks, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Palestine Pod. Uh, go ahead and check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at thepalestinepod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com and look for us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have as good a day as you can. Do-do-do-do. Stop.